Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Man Bites Pod. It is I, the Cinema Baron, and we are going down under yet again for a Aussie classic. Before I get into all of that good stuff, though, my compadres, uh, my fellow co-hosts on this fine pod that we do, how would you be beginning with you, Commander? Doing fantastic. Very, very happy tonight. This is this is great. I'm really excited to get into this movie. I, this is really great. Reverend, how'd you be? Oh, I'm doing well. You know, uh, you moved down under, but uh, I moved out into the garage as of this recording. And But <laughs> if you guys will notice, in my garage, I do have my Razorback original VHS release fucking poster up. So I, I'm excited to do this film as well. Yeah, ain't nobody, ain't nobody strangers to this movie. <laughs> the essence of the killer boar, the killer pig, is with you there. I like it. Yes, uh, there, listeners, we are talking about Razorback, the 1984 Australian Ozploitation natural horror classic. And, um, yeah, this is quite a film. This is quite a film. Um, as I said, 1984, written by Everett, sorry, Everett D. Roche, based on Peter Brennan's 1981 novel and directed by Russell Mulcahy. Okay. Uh, it's his directorial debut there, gentlemen. Um, I'm sure you guys already know, but for those that don't, this is the dude that uh, directed Highlander 1 and 2. Absolutely. Fucking yeah. love it. Okay. Um, and the co- the, the, what was the, sorry, sec- was the second one called... The second was The Quickening, right? I think so. Yeah. It's been a minute. It's been a minute, but I think you are. Because there's like four of them. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Highlanders? Yeah. I think there's like a bunch of them, aren't there? Is there more than three? I think so, man. Or four? Okay. I, after the first couple when I was younger, I kind of lost crack and interest to be a fun to be honest. Same. <laughs> Same. Yeah. I, I, I tapped after like three. Or four. Maybe I watched four. I don't I don't remember. I don't care. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for their times for their time, absolute classics indeed. Okay. Um this guy is an Australian, Russell McKay, of course. Uh and now his work is recognizable by the use of fast cuts, tracking shots, use of glowing lights, neo-noir lighting, uh, windblown drapery. So he's done a lot of music videos. He is quite bloody famous uh, for his music videography. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard of it, uh, but, but, but let me just get to it here. Video killed the radio star. Mm-hmm. Legendary music video. This is the guy who directed it. Makes perfect He's sense. Like, that, that video lives on spotlights. 
like the, so does this movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it's really no this movie is brilliant but i can see the things he loves so clearly you know what i mean this motherfucker yeah. likes yeah. salvador dali quite a bit as well absolutely this is an effects laden movie there is so many uh composited shots so that is uh shots of natural uh locations uh and then just effects and colors thrown over the top there's about 40 to 50 natural scenery shots that are just turned into great dali-esque landscapes even you could say at points yeah and there's about 50 of those didn't need to be the case <laughs> the movie could have probably been fine without them but it wouldn't have been as unique uh, as it is with this guy's touch, with Mulcahy's touch. Um, he's also done plenty for Elton John, The Stranglers, Paul McCartney. Uh, what else has he done? ACDC, of course. And who's he's that? Also Paul, very... Paul McCartney? Paul Mac- who's that? Oh, some some dude. You know, never heard of the band once upon a time. Some people seem to like this band. Don't really know why. Never heard uh, of them. And... <laughs> um, now, in relation to Razorback and the, uh, the um, style of direction as well, Duran Duran music videos. You can see a lot of Duran Duran music videos come through in this movie 100%, particularly, uh, 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 what is it, uh, Wild Boys? I'm a big Boys. Duran Duran fan. I, I can dig that shit, dude. Sorry. For sure. Not Wild, Wild Boys, Hungry Like hungry like the Wolf. Yeah, if you've seen that music video, and then you watch Razorback, ba-dum, ba-dum, you can see the correlations. Yeah, hungry, like the, hungry Like the Wolf is a Mad Max movie. <laughs> Precisely. So you see yeah. how, like, uh, uh, this guy lives, uh, directs in the spirit of Ozploitation. Oz uh, go back and listen to our Not Quite Hollywood uh, documentary episode if you want to get the backstory on Ozploitation. I go into it in a lengthy detail, so I'm not going to go into that again. Go back and do your homework. Uh, go watch Race Back and uh, join us for the episode today. Okay. Um, I think that's pretty much uh, the only backstory that is needed Yeah, um, This is one of those preparation movies where they did bring in American actors to get um, more of a reach overseas for the Australian film industry at large. To yeah, try nowhere near, nowhere near the first. Sorry, say that again? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought you fit. Nowhere near the first. I mean, they did this all, all the time. The yeah, yeah, of American course. American actors, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, but this is one. Um, it's certainly got a. It's certainly a cult classic, and it certainly made an impression. Definitely, people were impressed by the the visual style of uh, this film. It's very unique. Um, what anything else to say about it at this stage? Unless we would just want to break and um, go into the plot, the synopsis breakdown, and anything you guys want to bring up as usual, just jump in, mark out, etc. Yeah, rock and roll. Okay, all good, all good. Okay, we have uh, uh, Jake Cullen, which uh, is played by Bill Kerr. Uh, now, he's babysitting his grandson at his house in the rural Australia, within the rural Australian outback. This is all kind of like around the town of Gumala, which is an Aborigine word, which means intestine or gut. Now, that is quite an appropriate choice of town uh, because the meaning there of the town, of the word Gamala, it plays a nice part of the whole world, the whole story of Razorback. 
Um, now, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's in his uh, rural Australian home with a massive but unseen Razorback boar attacks it, smashing through his house like a high-speed freight train, dragging away his grandson to devour alive. And then he's walking out into the night sky screaming, why, why, no, no, boom, this is how this movie opens up. Go. This, this is something I missed this time around. I saw this movie a long time ago, and then I rewatched it for the show, and I didn't have time to watch it a second time. But so how, how did his house get set on fire? Like he's walking away looking for his grandson. But what happened that his house got set on fire? I missed that. Uh, well, there's um, could be a board through a match in there. Maybe a ball through a match in there. There are certain things where the, um, there's certain scenes throughout this film where the board just basically sets off a whole lot of chaos, uh, sparks sure. off electrical charges to make things, you know, explode, that sort of thing. It's just the demonic power <laughs> of this thing that brings the fires of hell with, I mean, with it. Yeah. Well, listen, man, like, there's no shortage of people in trailers in America either. Like, I'm, I'm sure there was some propane tanks. Maybe yeah. that blue. Like yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sure he's in the middle of nowhere in a trailer. There's got to be a gas line somewhere. But mm-hmm. I would just like I, I thought maybe I missed. It. I literally thought I missed it. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one can say style over substance with this film, but it's certainly style over logic. <laughs> <laughs> it's borderline up. Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote logic. Is what yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, Jake is accused of murdering his grandson. Yeah, he goes to court about this. The whole damn town comes. The whole damn town comes out uh, to the trial, and everyone thinks that he's guilty. But there's not enough evidence to pin it on him. The death of his grandson. He, of course, is blaming the Razorback. Um, he is let go, but uh, Jake's whole obsession with life is to kill Razorbacks in general, but certainly the one that took his grandson, yeah? Okay. Um, which, which is, I mean, that's, it, this whole movie isn't, but that particular thematic element is Jaws. That's Jaws. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Can, definitely can, this, can I say yeah, before yes. you continue? I, I you know what I felt the most, and obviously this movie came later. It came much later, but I watched it a lot as a kid. I got a lot of Tremors feelings from this. You I see the movie Tremors? It, yeah, it reminded yeah, me so ago, much yeah. of it. And I never realized until now that I think this is where Tremors got the idea to do this. Sure. Well, that and Jaws, the hidden yeah. thing, but... Also, now you're above the ground and quick moving as opposed to in the water and unseen. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And there have been um, homages to Razorback as well in my part of the world as well, but I'll get to that later on as well because I've got a bit to say about that. There there are at least three things I could point to in this movie that are directly done in Tremors in but I mean, they're, they're sure. techniques you do in film. So I don't know if they're exact homages. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's you know, no, no, no. It's worth pointing out. It's worth pointing out because there's 
a difference between a homage and also a parallel and also parallel thinking. Like when a stand-up comedian says the same joke as another stand-up comedian, are they just biting their material or is there just similar thinking? You know what I mean? Same right. applies to film. Yeah. So the same does apply to film. Right. But it but it ends up being the same. It's the same result it becomes like uh, not not um, canon, but it becomes that whole framework of reference. Yeah, that whole ref- referential framework. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, so two years later. Okay, so um, sorry, Jake has basically become the crazy old man of the town out there chasing chasing boars out in the outback. Yeah, by himself. Yeah, he's on he's on a mission. He's seen as the crazy old man of the town. Now, two years later, wildlife reporter Beth Williams, played by Judy Morris, she, uh, she journeys to the outback. She starts off in New York, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, with her, now, with her, uh, uh, they've just been engaged. Yes, they are newly wedded. They're newly wedded. Their they're, they're, they're married, for sure. They're married. Yeah, they're, they're coming up to their one-year anniversary. Well, because, done. Yep, she, um... And uh, she has uh, basically got a job. Got a job out of the, to go to Australia to talk about the kangaroo culling, how kangaroos are becoming extinct, are in, are endangered uh, because kangaroos in the outback in the world in the world of this film, but largely in Australian society, certainly around this time uh, in the early eighties and whatnot, um, they were in danger of becoming a step because they were used, um, to, uh, you know, as dog food. Yeah. That sort of thing. Sure. Definitely. So this film does touch on that, which was as well. Um, she is an animal activist and she's also a journalist. She's combined the two, two together. She's got a job to go out to Australia to report on the kangaroo killings and how they're becoming endangered. Um, newly wedded husband at the time says that she should definitely go um, and gives her the engagement ring. Well, the anniversary ring. It's not quite the one-year anniversary, but if she's going to be away at that time, it gives her the ring. Yeah, so it's a nice, lovely scene. There's a nice contrast between uh, the Australian outback, you know, with the small town, all in the same courthouse, you know, um, uh, to New York, where you just see basically people everywhere. So there's a nice between the sparse rural population and then just the overly populated chaotic New York, yeah? Absolutely. Right. Okay, uh, so she goes to Australia, to Gamala, to document the hunting of Australian wildlife, uh, to be process, uh, processed into pet food at a derelict factory called Pet Pack. That's P-A-K, Pet Pack. To uh, pack the, you know, uh, pack the pet food is what the word play is there. Right. Um, so do you guys not like kangaroo for the pet meat down there? Is that like a thing? Um, I can't really. I can't comment um, if it's um, used today. Um, uh, maybe it still is, but um, uh, kangaroos are protected by a, a Australian com- uh, conservation uh, department here. You know, like the people who look after the wildlife, they look after the kangaroos here. But they're still hunted. Um, they are uh, as well for sport. Definitely, that does still happen, but not to the degree that they were endangered as they were when this film was made. Yeah. So right. as I just said just before, a bit of a societal comment going on here as well. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, just like horses, you know, they got made into dog food. 
kind of similar. It's on the same. Oh, we definitely way. do that. Oh, we US. definitely do that. Yeah, yeah, same, same sort of thing, same sort of thing. Okay, okay. Now, when she comes to town to the uh, local hotel, the local pump in Gamala, yeah, trying to find uh, kangaroo hunters, hunters to interview. Uh, it doesn't go down too well. It's like walking into a Wild West saloon, you know. The whole place stops and looks at her. What's going on here? You're not from around here. Um, and the uh, Benny and Dicko Baker, the Baker brothers, uh, they're highlighted in this scene as well. And a little bit in the court case before. They're two very interesting characters in this film. They're like yeah. Beavis and Butt- Butthead from Hell. What are you guys They are, about? they are. But I, I got to say, that fucking uh, Dicko specifically, that mm. motherfucker, I was, he looks like... He he's supposed to be Johnny Rotten somehow. He's supposed yeah. to be okay. like that's the first thing I thought of when I saw him. <laughs> but also, as I watched this movie, and I once again I didn't do my research. I was very fucking tired. I'm, okay. We're busy in America. I don't know what to tell you, Australia. But <laughs> the, I don't even know. I don't know the kid's name that played Dicko Baker. He was in, I know he was in Gallipoli, though. I know it. Are, are, can you confirm or deny this? Uh, David Argue is his name. David Argue is his name? Yes, that's A-R-G-U-E. Uh, yeah, that's Argue. Yes, 100%. 100% was he? He played I, Snowy, in, Snowy in Gallipoli, 1981. I well done. fucking knew it. I well fucking done. knew it. Oh, that's so crazy. Else, his fucking brother's in it, too. I guarantee his fucking brother, the, the guy that plays his brother, who I don't know. Baby Baker? Yep, I, 100%. He's, he's 100% in that movie, too. Would, would they like... Eh, eh, oh, dude, stop, stop. Stop. It makes me violent. I, it makes me, it nice. makes me want to hurt people. Nightmarish, nightmarish. Uh, give me a moment, give me a moment. That is played by Chris Hayward. Chris Hay, okay. Chris Haywood? That guy doesn't sound Australian to me all of a sudden. He doesn't. Um, oh my God, you should see him as an old man. He looks even, he looks just as disturbing as he did uh, in Razorback, maybe even a little more as well. Um, he hey, Gene, uh, Gene, yes. we're having a little trouble hearing you, buddy. I'm sorry, I keep turning away from the mic. My apologies. Is that all right? There you go. No, that's much better. We, we heard you, but we heard you, but it was a little low. That's all. That's right. I was just getting away from the mic there. My apologies, listeners. Um, so he is what, not is listed. Chris, Chris Haywood? Huh? Was he in Gallipoli? Yes. No, he's not listed as being in Gallipoli. Shucks, man. He looks fucking so familiar, though. Sorry. Sorry. No, I that's got right. It's worth, it's worth having a look at Gallipoli. It's a classic film. Certainly, if we're talking about Australian film as well. Honest, that's, it, that's not something we could cover on this show. I mean, we could, but it's not something we should. It's, it's an important movie, though. That's an amazing Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, it had an impact on me as a kid, even in, um, in New Zealand as well. And the whole Anzac thing, of course. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so she comes to the pub. Um, her presence isn't welcomed there as well. Uh, her cameraman even says to her, like, you're not in New York, surrounded by a million animal activists, animal lovers here. 
You know, these are people that kill animals every day uh, for sport to a degree, but also for their livelihood as well. This is how people feed their families in this part right. of the world, in this part of Australia, in the outback there, yeah. Um, not that she's a bad person, though, but she's out of her element. Let's just say that. <laughs> she has come well out of her element. Okay, now while driving at night, this is Beth. With Beth Winters. She is driven off the road by two local thugs. So this is Benny and Dicko Baker because she actually goes to Pack Pack to the kangaroo meat processing plant and she gets her camera, she puts it through the window, she's basically spying on them coming to their place of work and trying. They get pissed off at that. Don't go coming around here doing that. Uh, I can see where they're coming from, but their reaction to her imposition a little bit over the top, <laughs> a little bit much. Because Towards the end, it was a bit much, yeah. Towards the end, it was a bit much. Um, they get their Mad Max-style vehicle. What did you guys think of, the, um, especially Reverend, you're, you're a vehicle man especially, what did you think of their truck? The I mean, it was fucking truck. rad, dude. And fucking the other character, the main old man, his fucking truck's fucking badass as shit. Do you guys all just have badass trucks down there? Like, American <laughs> trucks, like, they look cool, but, like, those things, you can tell those things are fucking tough as shit, man. The, fir the first thing I thought of when I saw all these trucks were just Willie's Jeeps, but bigger. Yeah. They're like Willie's, right? Mm -hmm. Which were which were World War One and Two issued jeeps, military stuff like that. That's military hardware. What they're driving around, yeah. that's heavy bits. Yeah, but that's yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. also clearly modified. They got they got meat hooks on the side, and I love yeah. that. The, and I, I I don't I hope I'm not spoiling anything, but for the rest of the movie, they're driving around with fucking pigs and and deers hanging off the side of the truck. For the rest of the movie, just banging around, like yeah, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, 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 yeah. There is, uh, yes, um, that's the military references is very good there as well. But they've just been given post-apocalyptic modifications. Yeah, right. To it, absolutely. Um, that's the Baker Boys vehicle. But Jake Collins, the old guy, yeah, the Razorback Hunter, very typical hunter vehicle for that part of the outback here here in yeah, Queensland. He it's very typical. Yeah. He has relatively the same vehicle, but it's a it's slightly toned down from the ba uh, what is it uh, Baker the Baker brothers yeah Baker boys yeah 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 um, they as playing on Mad Max as well those two uh, they're your exploitation bully boys in the desert with crazy with crazy vehicles yeah right but but with that Johnny Rotten English punk aesthetic thrown on top for the way they dress and like especially Dicko with his mannerisms when he does actually he does the spin around whenever he comes out of his um comes out of a building you know and that sort of thing I was very interested to what your your guy depression yeah being punks punk fans is the first thing I thought of as soon as yeah. I saw that guy in the bar when he was fucking with that girl uh uh I can't remember her name uh the uh, wife Beth. that, what's it? Beth, Beth Winters, Beth. Beth, yeah. Beth Winters. Yeah. Um, Carl, yeah, Carl Winters and Beth Winters, that's right. Um, yeah. Like when he's throwing darts at her and he, I'm like, 
Dude, look at this motherfucker. He reeks of Johnny Rotten. His hair is the same. Even, I mean, his build is the same. And he's wearing a blazer with, like, just a shitty fucking wife beater underneath it. I'm like, dude, that is the most, that's the most 77 English punk rock thing you could ever fucking do of all art. Before people had mohawks and, and studs on everything, that was the move. And that's the game. And also, I get the feeling that Australia, no disrespect to Australia, I get the feeling Australia gets certain things a couple of years after England from time to time. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. A couple of years after England, five years after Australia, and then New Zealand, 10 years after everyone else. <laughs> That's how <laughs> culture is filtered down. Sure. Um, now, uh, Beth is driving at night. She's driven off the road by the baker boys uh and yeah now this this scene is was very interesting because this is effectively the rape scene but no actual rape takes place but it's all 100 percent applied uh emotionally it is heavy they are getting ready to do it emotionally it's very very heavy but there is um but it's done very well as well because no one gets naked um, there's no serious physical violence that goes on towards Beth from Dicko because Dicko is the instigator of all of this type of violence between the two brothers there. Um, but it was, but the way, but Dicko's performance, yeah, the way he goes about it, like when the, um, Beth's car stops, he opens the door and he questions her, like, hey, are you all right? Are you sure you're okay? It almost seems caring, concerned. Yeah. Um, are any bones broken? Any scars, bruises? Da 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 da. And then um, she goes, no, no. And she almost seems to calm down for a moment. Then he goes, good. Grabs her, drags her out of the car, throws her on the ground. She just implies, if I'm going to do to this to you, I don't want the meat damaged. Yeah. Basically, what he's right. saying. Yeah. That's the that's the horror of this moment. Yeah. Um, and then he says to her, do you want to make love? Yeah. You want to make love, which again was chilling, was chilling in this moment. And then like the end of uh, Kill List, yeah, with the laughter and a a horrible moment and a horrible um, altercation. There's that hysterical laughter brought about by fear. That's what Beth has. And the two of them are sharing laughter together, that laughter together, yeah. That scene, this was done really well. That's horrific. Yeah, it's it's amazingly done. Like it, it... Every t- that's and that's the to me that's real horror, right? So that's mm. where you get the oh well, this guy's gonna rape this girl, but she turns around and kicks like starts fucking laughing at him, and it, it changes the mood, and then he starts mm. laughing, and then his brother starts laughing, and you go like holy shit, what the fuck? It changes the whole yeah. mood every time someone starts laughing. It gets dark. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it gets worse from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reverend, what did you think of this moment? Because I think this teaches, can teach other exploitation directors how to handle these scenes, you know, these moments. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, Dicko in this scene, it's it's raw. 
and you get that fucking filthy feeling off of him in an American comparison. You have David Hess in fucking I Spit on Your Grave and Last House on the Left. You know, he's a, these actors portray the the most vile personas that they possibly can. He does it well. He's obviously ripping off fucking, you know, Johnny Rotten's whole persona, that whole aesthetic that he's got going on. Just, I don't give a fuck. It's I don't the give way, a- the way that he's carrying himself. But in that moment, when he starts to be the predator that he truly is, you see that insane fucking look in his eye, like the way that David has. Like I am horrified of David Hess. I think I am scared of that man more than anyone else in the world, because the way that he portrays the fucking uh, the vile shit that he does to women, it, it's fucking horrifying you know and and dicko pulls it off and it's it's few and far between that you do it and the way that it's directed in that it it's violent he smacks her around it, it it's not he's not being nice and it's definitely violent but there's no nudity even though uh it's obviously a sexual fucking assault that's going on yeah yeah, um, yeah. There's yeah. still no nudity or any sexualization of it. It's just assault. And for him to do it in that way, I thought it was actually really well done compared to a lot of other rape scenes that uh where they're more graphic. Yeah. Where where it's more graphic. He he portrays the situation and the vileness of this assault that's going on without it being sexualized. And it's brilliant. Absolutely. It does become a male gaze voyeuristic scene. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, no, you know, it doesn't. You can't derive pleasure from this. Yeah. I do think it's very, it's hypersexualized. I, I think it's hypersexualized. I, I don't agree with you that it's not sexualized. Well, I mean, the sex is there. It's just, it's not, it's not, it's not porno sex. It's not skin of No. No, 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 it's, it's, it's not, it's not hardcore porn. There's no penetration. Everyone's got their clothes on, but he is, he says the words, get into it, start getting into it. Like he really thinks he's so deluded. He's trying to get her into what he's doing and he's convinced of his own power that he can get her to do that. Doesn't matter how repugnant he is. She'll get into it. And honestly, rape victims do that. They will go, okay, I'll do what you want so you'll leave me alone. Because quite honestly, in the fucking outback with two fucking animals like that, you probably will get killed. And maybe you could get away from it if you just subdue. Like kind of, I feel like that was the fucking thing. I think it was hypersexualized, but in a subtle way. If that makes sense. It does make sense. It does make sense. Um, yeah. And the reality of the situation does come through. Yeah. Um, but I also understand what the reference is saying that's, as well. This isn't a moment for the male gaze to take effect. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, not an, it's not enjoyable for anyone involved because it does reflect the reality, certainly of the outback as well. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. Very well executed across the board. We can all agree, though. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's brilliantly executed. It's it's appropriate for like an R-rated film. 
Like, it's, it's, you can't go over that, but he does it in a, an aspect that, like, I don't know, just the fact that, like, there aren't tit shots in this, which exploitation films yeah. have fucking tits in them. Oh, yeah. So it, it was a oh, choice yes. for him not to do that. There's tits in the fucking rape scenes of fucking uh, Clockwork Orange or, like, I Spit on Your Grave. Like, those all, like, have female nudity in them or partial male nudity in them. But, but those are English and American movies. Yeah, I mean, I guess it might have something to do with the censorship, but it definitely um, it encompasses the vileness of what those other two films do without it being, I mean, without it being NC-17, I guess, without showing tits. For lack of a better way of saying it, without showing tits, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, and a lot of those... A lot of those transportation films, as we saw, are not quite Hollywood as well. Like uh, when it comes to the Mad Max variety, there were boobs galore, absolute yeah. boobs galore. But they, they didn't what? cash in on it. They did this. This did not cash in on it because they wanted to create more uh, more horror than uh, I don't know what that's other thing like chaos, basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we'll move on. We'll move on. But, but very well put there, gentlemen. Thank you. Um, big thoughts. Razorback enters the scene before any uh, this uh, assault is taken any further. Uh, Razorback enters the scene, jumps down, um, rams the Baker Boys' vehicle, uh, and they get in and bolt. Yeah. Yeah, they take um, the fuck off, man. They're like, that's a big pick. We're going to take the fuck off. And they kill yeah, pigs for absolutely. a living, so they know that's a big pig. Hundred percent, hundred percent, precisely, precisely. And um, now Beth is left alone. Um, she attempts to take shelter in the car, but then Razorback arrives and starts to starts to rip the shit out of her car, beginning with the door. <laughs> um, and it's a good point to um, uh, sorry. I'll keep, carry, carry on. Uh, rips off the door and then just starts basically uh, dealing to her in the car. Yeah, throwing her all around the place uh, before dragging her out to be uh, to be eaten. Um, What's interesting about this is that the pig, the razorback, the boar, does more damage to Beth, uh, more assault on Beth via the pig than the two Baker boys, yeah? That uh, the two Baker boys aren't capable of the horror that this natural predator, this uh, this predator of the wildlife rather than a human predator is able to dish out because the boar is here to do that. So you have straight after that assault scene from the humans, you have the assault scene from the boar who brings the real assault and the real horror, yeah, because she doesn't survive it in the end. I thought that was an interesting little uh, positioning of these two scenes, one after the other. And it's also... At this point, you see how the boar is not revealed. The horror is not like Alien, the original. You haven't seen uh, the monster's face or uh, the monster in its entirety at this stage. It's all, you know, off camera. It's build up. It's suspense, even at this stage in the first attack. Gentlemen. Once again, Tremors. It reminds me of Tremors. 
all over. It's 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 beautiful, and they they do show glimpses of it, just like in Tremors, they show glimpses. Yeah, there's glimpses. There's only glimpses, yeah. though. You know, you know what I mean. But it's not like from sure. Alien to Aliens, where you had glimpses and suggestion to bang. Here's the Xenomorph. Right, right. Yeah, you you, you really yeah, never yeah. see the whole board. You never really do. All no, the don't. way up until the end, you really don't. You see yeah. a little more, but not the whole shit. And yes. yeah, no, I thought this shit was brilliant. It was same as it's just Jaws too. This it's the same type of effect. And correct me if I'm wrong, but 1984, I was watching this movie going, this is actually really good. Like it's yeah. like when I was a kid and I watched this movie. I watched it like, oh, whatever. This is some fucking 1984 bullshit. Sure, but I sure, watched sure, this sure. differently this time. And it, it it's I now knowing the history of, of exploitation and things like that. Yeah. This would have been during the time of the of the big boom of government funding for, for film and things like that, where they were bringing Americans in and they were making movies and trying. So this had a relatively decent budget and if i'm not mistaken and it, and and it it shows it's actually really well done the lighting is fucking incredible the lighting comes up over and over because of the music videos we talked about but yeah those yeah. those um, those dream sequences we got to get into eventually those are amazing yeah, sure. Absolutely, we'll get there. We will get there. Um, I'll just point out, and I'm, I'm sure you'll both agree with me uh, there, that in terms, it's, it's a clinic in exploitation filmmaking as well, um, and working to a budget as well. Uh, not showing uh, the monster, not showing the predator, um, only in glimpses, only through suggestion, only to help build up suspense uh, as well. Um, and working uh, in their means as well to create something more um, than what they originally had. Uh, um, it, it's just done really well. It's just, it seems like this, um, this is like a multi-million dollar, million dollar budget, but done on a shoestring effectively. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a clinic and exploitation filmmaking. Definitely. Okay. Uh, but, 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 so Beth, um, she's gone. The race back, you know, finishes her off. Uh, and now, basically, uh, the town decides, well, the town doesn't decide, but the story is that the Baker boys put out because they don't want to be seen as weaklings who uh, can't deal to a bore or uh, who um, sexually assault uh, uh, people from out of town, women in general. Yeah, you know, because, you know, Australia is pretty wild, but we're not that wild. Not even in 1984. She uh, fell down a mine shaft. Can, can I say this? This is the weirdest thing I find about the Baker's boys, is that these two seem to have a line, but I don't understand where it is. Like, they are, they, they, that's the creepy part, is that they seem to be okay with rape, murder, and general sadistic behavior they don't seem to care about anything at all or have any feelings of any kind but the only time i mean maybe it's because they think they're going to get caught i guess but yeah they get really fucking sensitive only when it comes to them 
I think these wow. guys are just. Yeah, there is there is a uh, dip, there is a slight difference between Deco and Benny. Benny is a little bit. I don't know if sensitive is the right word. Um, because uh, Deco is the one who will use violence off the get. He will go for violence off the get. He's, he's sadistic. Benny isn't as sadistic, right. and he maybe is a bit more concerned about getting caught, Benny, because Deco is almost like um, sociopathic serial killer level with the stuff that he gets up to. Benny's a bit more cautious. He can't just go killing people because you don't like them. What did you do that for? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Benny is always the one that says, what did you do? that for yeah yeah he also doesn't uh, give a shit it seems like yeah. he doesn't care but dicko is completely detached from fucking reality honestly it yes. seems like yeah yeah he got he got thrown like he got someone threw up on his head and he didn't care about that as much I, as he did the fact that your man was killing the kangaroo before it struggled to die he was so more concerned about the how something died and suffered rather than getting vomit on his head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. Yeah. Oh, he's GG he's GGL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my flipping God. All right, but moving on, moving on. Um okay, a few months later, Beth's husband Carl arrives, played by Gregory Harrison. Yeah, this is the other America, along with Beth Winters in the film, Julie Morris. Gregory Harrison, Beth Winters, Carl Winters, yeah, arrives in Australia to search for uh, his wife, yeah, uh, and um, he goes to the pub, asks some questions. Um, no, sorry, my bad. He goes. Um, he uh, is sent off just like um, the old, you know, the guy, just like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre at L and all the rest of them meets the old guy at the petrol station. You've got to go down that way, down that road. That's where they live. That's where it's all at. Um, to Jake Cullen's house, he comes across Jake. He explains that Beth Winters is the one who died, fell down the um, mine shaft. Um, Jake takes sympathy on him and uh, introduces him to the Razorbacks, yeah? Uh, but, 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 and refers him to the local cannery, can, the cannery, Pet Pack, where he meets Benny and Dicko, the Baker brothers. Um, now, it's interesting here because it's not explicitly stated, but Jake pretty much knows the uh, the Baker brothers and what they got up to. He it's, it's suggested that he knows what these boys did to his wife. Yeah, right. Yep. Yeah, I'm not wrong in there. I'm not wrong in there thinking. Now the um, the Baker boys. They uh, this is very much that enforced hospitality of rural Australia. Yeah, don't worry about it, mate. Come back to my place. Have a drink. Ah, crash the night. Don't worry about him. You can take the car back in the morning. You're staying here now, mate. Have a drink, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's got that whole thing to it played out perfectly. Yeah, I saw that shit coming a mile away. I, I mean, right. I've had that motherfuckers try to do that shit to me after punk rock shows. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I'm much more comfortable behind these bushes in my jacket by myself. Thank you very much. Leave me alone. Yep. Yep. We've all met the type, and there is. I get that. What it is, is your man is supposed to be a square. 
He's Carl's a fucking square all day. Right. And just like many uh, American uh, or any exploitation films from America, he becomes this action hero. Yes. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, that's fair, that's fair. Um, he's a fairly smart square, though, as well, because um, he does play along very well with the Baker Boys. He comes into the Australian outback, you know, he puts up a good um, uh, a good mask, a good disguise, you know what I mean? He picks well, up on the he, cultural cues quickly. I will give him he, that. He did, he did, and he drank out of the bottle, which I wouldn't have drank yeah. out of that bottle. God yeah, damn, there you dude. go. There you go. That's right. After the cannery, he is um, driving um, home to their little uh, their cave that they live in almost. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's, a, <laughs> yeah it's a swap meat bat cave. What, uh, do you have swap meats out there? Is that the same thing? Uh, they're called something different, which, which I can't think of, but effectively the same thing. Yes. You know what yeah, I mean, yeah. though. I do know what you mean. Okay, okay, yes. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they stay, it stays the night. He asks, can I have a shower? I go, shower? I just say, you know, um, you can have, yeah, wash yourself down with a hose out back. That sort of thing. <laughs> oh, Deco's going to cook, cook up some snacks. Snacks, you know, bangers, meat bags, sausages. There's all this kind of little humorous cultural clashes <laughs> going on there. Right, right. Uh, because with which, which are clearly slang taking shots out. at him. They're taking shots at him. They know he doesn't know, and they're yeah, just no, taking shots at him. Yeah. What do they, they call the most? The donger. I turn off the donger. The donger. They, they both stop and together say the motor. <laughs> <laughs> you dumb yank. You know, which, it's, by it's, the way, was not hip to. I did not yeah, know. No. No, Neither I was I. Good either. I do Neither like was I. I don't, telling everyone please. that he's Canadian, though. I like. It's like no, actually, uh, I'm Canadian. Of course, well, not that's why he is Canadian. But he was disguising. He's disguising his gimmick because he's now trying to avenge his wife. No, I get that. Yes. I get that he's, he's trying to hide his identity. But still, yeah, he's, I, I he's, find it humorous when he's international. He's decided to become a Canadian. But he wasn't international. See, everyone nearby knew who he was, kind of. So that's why he went Frank Castle on everybody. That's why he right. went Peter Parker on everybody. Sure, 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 sure. Um, they take him to the kangaroo hunt. This is, you know, uh, this is what this all leads up to. We discussed it a little bit before being um, getting thrown up on. And he throws up on the Baker boys. Uh, because he is shocked and horrified um, of how they treat this kangaroo when they shoot it, shine the spotlight. It freezes in the spotlight, they shoot it, but they don't kill it because that way you don't want to ruin the meat. Yeah, so it tastes like old hickory. He doesn't like that. He throws up, he asks for the rifle, and he goes, no, you're not taking my fucking rifle cut. So Which, by the way, up. I'm sorry, that's that doesn't seem right to me. Like, And I'm a vegetarian, but I'm also a chef. I'm sorry. Yeah. That doesn't sure. that's not how that works. I believe you. I have never hunted a wild animal in my life. Don't particularly want to, but I no, no. I, I so believe you. Yeah. I don't um, like hunting, but, but I've got yeah. but I've cooked plenty of meat. I've done I did it for a living for a long time. And yeah. what I'm telling you is that that it doesn't work like that. You don't make something suffer to make the meat more tender. Yeah. It's the opposite. Yeah, it doesn't it's work. It's literally the opposite. The I get you. Growth. I get you. I um, 
Uh, I have had kangaroo, kangaroo beef, full disclosure, when it's cooked properly, it's quite delicious. Uh, uh, but I've I believe, too. yeah, it is quite delicious. I do like it's game good. meat. Um, but this, this whole setup of not killing it off at first, just letting it suffer a bit, is just to add to the horror of the scene. So when he does throw up, grabs the machete, uh, the meat cleaver to do the mercy killing on the kangaroo is just to build up to that. You know what I mean? It's sure. just to add weight, emotional right. weight to this moment of the mercy killing, which I he probably does shouldn't do. have said anything. Clearly it's, it's, it's a vehicle to get to something else. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. You know, your shit, you know, your shit. Um, uh, and, but the Baker boys, they basically go, they're, they're not happy. You know, what are you doing? Don't do that. You don't mess with another man's uh, roommate, another man's kill. Here, you better skin it and gut it now. Have a blanket. Don't go walk about. Yeah, because you're in the middle of buttfuck. Nowhere you're going to get lost. Here's a blanket so you don't freeze. We'll be back to within five to six hours. And they bolt and leave him there with the dead kangaroo. And this is where the, and this is where the dream sequence begins. Yeah. It's my favorite yeah. shit ever. I love the dream sequences more than anything in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this is where basically uh, the uh, Roger, Mc- Roger, 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 Russell, Russell McCulloughay goes to town oh. showing what he can do visually as a director. Yeah, he has all his music video oh. skills come out to play. Sorry, <laughs> I thought you were talking yeah, about come. the character. I'm sorry. No, 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 yeah. the director, Russell McCulloughay. This is where Duran Duran, Hungry Like a Wolf in the Australian Outback, is <laughs> seen and all its visuals. What did you guys think, just in general? Oh, it's genius. It's genius. Yeah. And I saw I, I, I saw so much Salvador Dali influence mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Oh, and, yeah. The talking skeleton cow thing, you know, that's like oh, falling yeah. and then re-rising. It's, it's a metaphor, it, but yeah, it's very well done. I, I loved it. The lighting was brilliant. The fucking... And honestly, mm-hmm. like, I mean, the fucking... The first fire, like he's walking through the desert at night, and the first fireworks you see are clearly sperm. Like that's a thing. He's dealing with himself and his he's dealing with his mortality inside his dream. It's very obvious. Um yeah. it the he's walking through the desert and there's spermazoa just flying through the sky, and he doesn't even fucking notice it. And then pretty quick. The fireworks are getting quicker and bigger and and they're and they're flying straighter and they're going towards certain things. And then he's I mean, then I mean you you you've seen the rest of it. He's going doing other shit and it's over. Then he wakes up and he goes, Holy shit, I still gotta deal with this. And I'm like, fuck, if that's not a metaphor for life, like <laughs> yeah, like, I like, like fuck, this is taking forever. <laughs> Yeah, I like that reading. I like that reading. Um, Reverend, anything you want to add to this uh, dream sequence before I go on? No, I mean, just the Dolly references are right there and the whole cow bones falling and then re reattaching and rising back up. It's just, it, it's yeah. really well done, man. It, it's, it's on a Clive Barker level. And for the year that this yes. was put out, it, it's very comparable to like a lot of, people would want to put this in the natural you know natural predator fucking genre or even a slasher film almost but 
when it comes down to it, a lot of these sequences with the original fucking uh, her dying in the car, the original killing with Razorback, and these dream sequences, they're all so very they're you I don't know. They're super articulate. Yeah. Like, they're well it's artistic, out. but it's artistic in a way that my dumb ass can understand too. Well, you know, well, that's the thing is that it's 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 like the bore to me is an afterthought. Like all this this existential dream shit yeah. is the is the yeah. star of the film to me. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I'm done. I agree with that. I agree with that. But you said it, but you, know, you summed it all up there, gentlemen. So we'll move on because it gets to. I like the dream scenes, but what I really like about this film as well is it shows the outback as a monster of horror itself. You have the Razorback boar, but then you also have the outback because this is where he wakes up and he is surrounded by pigs, wild pigs, yeah? And you also see him drudging through the mud, through the sludge of the dredging stations and that sort of thing, where he tries to get away from the pigs as well by going up a windmill where he ties himself up there and goes to sleep for the night. Um, yeah, that, and, was, uh, that was heavy. And by the way, yeah. that was in Tremors as well. Wow. Okay. There you go. Yeah. There's, there's a lot part, there. There's okay. I need to see Tremors again. Will remember for sure. There's a part where this dude they find. They're like, "I motherfucker climbed up the tower again. He's drunk as shit. We gotta go find him." And then they go find him, and he's fucking dead, missing his eyes and all that shit. And it's because he climbed up there because he couldn't get down because the problem was under the ground and no one knew it yet. Like is yeah. okay. It, and once again, okay. this movie cool. predates that movie by 10 years. Yeah. Um, maybe cool. a little less. Maybe a little less. But still. Like, yeah, I think um, you have took Sorry. notes from this. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> all good, all good. Um, and and with the um, the boars as well, you always also have like uh, the mothership, the wild boar, the razorback on the periphery as well, spurring on the the the, the baby boars, the baby wild pigs as well. So they so they always they're afraid of that boar as well. Uh, of the Razorback. They're running away from the Razorback while Carl is running away from them running away from the Razorback, you know what I mean? So that's always on the distance, on the periphery, that threat, and it's always subtly and artistically suggested as well throughout leading up, you know. Did they they ever make mention of of whether or not it was a female or male boar? That's a good question. I don't know. (laughs) Because... Because if they did, this could be another feminist film, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah. Perhaps, actually. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Um, so he's yeah, he wakes up on top of the uh the windmill, but the horror, the threat is not over. And at this point, at daylight, the razorback is, is coming closer to being in frame, yeah, to being in uh Carl's world in his eyesight, yeah. Um, because the boars are continuing to get away from the razorback and they're gathering around the windmill and they start to knock it over. The bolts are starting to get come loose from the bottom. He collapses down into to the pond, 
yeah, uh, the beet dredging station where um, not only do the uh, pigs take a bath, but there are dead pigs, which you see rise up out of the water as well, which he pushes away. And you really get an idea of that, as I was saying, of the outback of that being a creature of horror, right. just with the mud, the dredge, the sludge, the dirt, the filth. They really encapsulated and used the environment very effectively in this film, as well as the special effects, yeah, the two in tandem. Okay. Uh, they, the, the hog succeeded knocking over the windmill, but Carl is saved by landing in a pond because the uh, the pigs can't swim, but the pigs just don't want to go in where some of their uh, dead family is swimming around. You know what I mean? Yeah. They know there's right. dead pigs in there. Pigs don't want to do that. They don't bathe in their own carcasses, in their own um, detritus exactly. like it's the river gangsters. That's true. They do, they do root and eat in their own shit, but they don't do that. Yeah. If there's yeah, dead yeah. pigs around, they won't fuck yeah. with that area. Exactly. So there's some attention to detail, nice attention to detail. Now, once the hogs leave, Carl attempts to make his way back to civilization, all the while suffering from dehydration, inspired hallucinations. So, you know, and then you see uh, where things start getting really crazy, where there's the white desert and the cracks. You talked about the tremors. You see that skeleton cow come out to attack him as well. Right. Where it becomes really Dali-esque at that moment. Um, before reaching the house, of Sarah Cameron, yeah? Uh, the lovely Sarah Cameron, played by the delightful Ark, uh, Aki Whitley. She's having the outdoor shower, which we have out in the outback here. Uh, yeah. Um, and he comes along. She turns around. What are you doing? Ah, he collapses and passes out. He, he tapped out. But she is, <laughs> she is amazing, by the way. Like, she was really great in this film. I, I, I forgot how good she was. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, she's very believable as well. Yeah, she is right. very believable. Um, I've got an outsider who has come in and uh, has learned to live in that type of community. We're not shitting on that, that type of community as well, but she's obviously not from there to begin with, but she's made herself a part of that type of community, that type of right. Australian community. Very believable. Okay, uh, she's a friend of Jake, old man Jake, uh, who, and she has been trekking and studying the local hog population and the only one who believes his story of the giant Razorback. She's Jake's ally. She supports him. Now, while we're covering at Sarah's house, Carl forms a friendship with her and learns that something has been causing the wild hogs excess stress, which is the Razorback, of course, leading them into unusual behavior, such as increased aggression and cannibalizing their own young yeah right now as you pointed out they don't swim in their own little river ganges with their their own dead but the razorback has caused such excessive stress and fear that they've started to cannibalize their own young and the increased aggression uh, so it's all you know everything has led up to a logical point at this stage even though it has been very flamboyant there is logic behind it um and i would have to say point out that um Sarah does like Carl, but a little bit more than a friendship forms throughout this film. Yeah, You're that's very clear. clear, right? Yeah, it's very clear. It is very clear. Um, me, but it's not sickly though. It was treated very nicely. It was like if in a different situation in a different world, we'd be married. But because of what's happened, where we're yes. at, what's happening around us, no. I thought that was treated very well. Okay. Um, now, meanwhile, after I, learning I that agree. Carl, 
Meanwhile, after learning that Kawhi's seen the Razorback, Jake sets out for the pumping station uh, and he manages to shoot it with one of Sarah's tracking darts. He also finds Beth's wedding ring in the boar's scat, Nefoyo, poo, shit, kaka, when he returns to a grieving Carl who resigns himself to returning home. Are we both here, gentlemen? I've been left alone. What's happening? We're still here? Okay. Um, and that's where we saw see the little touching moments. Uh, Jake sees the ring. He goes, ah, poor man, poor bugger, poor bugger. Sarah comes out where Carl's got the ring. She must have been a good woman. He says this is our one-year anniversary ring. Very touching moments there, yeah? Yeah. Right. But, but again, it's not overloaded. It's not saccharine coated. It's nicely treated. Okay. He resumes, I mean, he resigns to returning home when obviously Sarah wants him to stay, but he's got to do what he's got to do. Uh, he's come, he's got the news. He knows what happens to his wife, job done. But after overwhelming, after, after overhearing a radio conversation suggesting that Jake knows what really happened to Beth Winters, Benny and Dicko, fearful that Jake is attempting to implicate them in her death, they attack him at his camp. They take out Jake. This is, again, where we see Dicko's sadistic nature. Benny, you know, well, maybe we don't want to go that far, but Benny, being the brother, he is loyal to Dicko. Um, you know, hits him in the back of the head. What'd you do that for? Who's going to come at you? Yeah, but now he can't feel it now when he takes out his legs. That little exchange is the sums up their dynamic 100%. So we find out, we find out that they are very antisocial, very anti feeling. That they, yeah. they're just, they, and that clearly Deco is a sadist. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. To a psychopathic degree, because that's where we see Sarah, uh, sorry, Jake's dog. Yeah, because Jake hugs his dog, wakes up, legs broken, hugging his dog, lets him go, go get Sarah. Loyal lassie going to get Sarah to help his master, Jake. Benny, uh, the Baker brothers, Dicko driving, yeah, in, in the truck. And he sees he sees the dog. It just swerves, drives over the dog without even thinking about it. On, uh, on purpose goes, for no reason. What did yeah. you do that for? I don't know. Pure serial killer mentality. I don't know. It's fucking there, mate. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, the, direct, the director, as we saw in Not Quite Hollywood, got in a bit of trouble for that little moment there, for putting that in, the death of the dog. People don't like it when dogs die more so than when humans die in films, of course. He got more shit than anything else because of that moment in this film. I mean, the entire John Wick series was based on a dog guy. <laughs> People love dogs. Most popular... What? creature right. on earth yeah yeah cannot be denied but moving on moving on breaking his his remains are later found yeah and the dog is later uh sorry sorry jake's remains are later found by sarah and carl because um as sarah is dropping carl off to catch the bus to go to sydney to go home to new york she's driving home she sees the dead dog comes back and gets carl and uh, they go and find uh, Jake's remains. Yes, because Jake, during this time, Jake is attacked by the Razorback. There is the confrontation between the two, finally. And, um, yeah, he is taken out. Um, 
and yet Sarah sees Jake and she goes and gets together the town folk this time they'll believe me because she has the tracking technology which was seen when she was showing Carl what she was up to putting the tag on the smaller pig right. and then tracking on, on the very very early 1984 GPS yeah yeah okay. yeah you get closer it beeps faster that's what the, the yeah. whole thing is yeah pretty much exactly exactly um now but uh when she gets the townsfolk out when the um to track the razor back it's actually that little pig that they find yeah and they go good god see this my my dog's bigger than this than this runt (laughs) which was just funny disappointing but funny. it it becomes a cried wolf thing a cried wolf thing absolutely absolutely okay now All right, now this is, um, at this stage, realizing that the brothers were responsible for both his wife and Jake's death, uh, because uh, Benny uh, basically starts to seek his revenge on the Baker brothers, yeah, because he does the little questioning Spanish Inquisition scene out in the outback to uh, Benny Baker, yep, down the hole on the witch and the hook, uh, Benny Baker yeah. makes the slip there. Oh, the Razorback was attacked, I uh, heard, even though you weren't there, Benny. Yeah? Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so he goes off to uh, Pet Pack. Um, so I'm just getting back to where I was. Uh, da, 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 and he confronts Dicko at the cannery. Yep. Uh, when the Razorback suddenly appears and mauls Dicko before Carl uh, can shoot him. And before this, there's, there's, not, there's that nice running away scene uh, with Dicko with the boar. It's just a very good cinematographic example of how not to show too much as well. Because uh, all the mauling scenes, it's just parts of the boar, the tusks, the eyes, the dripping right. more, that sort of thing. Beautifully done. Yeah, close up of the eyes. Close yeah. up of the mouth, yeah. but not the whole needed. board. Right. Needed. Okay. Um, now the Razorback then chases Carl into the factory when Sarah suddenly arrives and is seemingly suddenly killed by the boar. Yeah, because um, Carl sees Sarah arrive, tries to tell her to get away, you know, that sort of thing, tries to do that. Come here, come here, you bastard, around the truck. You know, basically get the board to chase him. No, the Razorback chases Sarah. Sarah is right. seemingly dead at this stage, seemingly. Um, now the board continues to pursue Carl, even after being impaled through his throat with a broken pipe. He did manage to harpoon it with a broken pipe through the jaw, but that's not going to take out Razorback here because Jake's already pointed at that out. Three buck shots through the head of one of even a lesser Razorback didn't give a concussion. Didn't even give a concussion. You know what I mean? It kept coming. Certainly the Razorback of this size is not going to stop it. So, you know, again, logic the logic does work up until this point. Mm-hmm. And it's mad and rampage. The Razorback ends up damaging the cannery's generator. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're coming to the final confrontation. I haven't missed anything, but just to get to the end. Um, he's up on the conveyor belt here. Yeah. And he's trying to get uh, the Razorback 
to, uh, because the generator has been sparked off because the boar's gone through the fence and against one of those electrical charges like the fire, um, chaos, wherever it comes, elemental chaos, uh, it's sparked off the generator, he's on the conveyor belt, and then there's the chopping blade, which they put the kangaroos through, which you saw the Deco brothers shoveling out whilst eating a sandwich, you know what I mean, at the pet pack, so this is all yep. matched up, there's all been foreshadowing of this. That's where they and, get their snags from. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And we see the dead uh, kangaroo carcasses, um, you know, side, uh, hanging down side by side. Um, is it kangaroos? I way. thought it was pigs. Is it kangaroos? I mean, it's a combination of the both, yeah, you know what okay. I mean? Just, you know, like uh, cadavers in general. Um and uh, yeah, and the Razorback comes up onto the cadaver. He manages to um, swing on to one of these uh, cadavers uh, hanging by a chain, lures the ball up to the conveyor belt, and then throws it onto a giant fan and basically um, chops it into pieces. Yeah, yeah. It was this, it was this fan to make it into sausage. That's what it was. Fan to make it into it, sausage. It goes through a conveyor belt. It's, yep. That's where meat is supposed to go through to chop it up to yep. make it into yep. sausage. Yep. 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 But yep. he just yep. did it with a live one. He did it with a live one, and um, uh, and, but and it was the generator. It was That's so what it down to. <laughs> and pretty much this is where you see as much as you're going to see of the entirety of the Razorback. And they've saved it to this last confrontation when it goes through the train, uh, the fan, and then bits of gore and blood and meat and flesh flying up into the air. Now, the generator <laughs> was sparked off by the Razorback going through the fence. Um, and Carl grabs uh, a bar, you know, like uh, whatever, um, to whack against the generator to turn it down so it doesn't blow up the whole place, just like Benny Baker did earlier on in when yeah. he first arrived at Petback. Callback, 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 exactly. Sarah suddenly appears like out of um, Hellraiser from a chain from up above. <laughs> Down below. Um, and, and actually, just while I'm on there, I know um, this predates Hellraiser as well by two years. Yeah? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not meaning with Sarah coming down from a chain. I think that was just, uh, we've got to get Sarah back into the shot, into the storyline. They need to meet up for a happy ending. Just drop it down from a chain into shot. Will you, Jake, is that, where, where, is that, where he see, sees the Razorback. They, I first sees the Razorback once once again, not since the, uh, the boar had ran away with the, the grandson or granddaughter, sorry. And he says, Jesus wept. I don't. That shit, every time he says it, I'm like, oh, my God. The only thing I think of when I hear Jesus wept is Hellraiser. But that is actually, that that is a biblical reference. So It is a biblical crazy? reference. It's not crazy, but the only other time that I've heard it said in a film, maybe just my own experience, but it is with Hellraiser. And me uh, too. Yeah, maybe Barker. Me too. And, and, Who knows? and that um, was an outtake. In Hellraiser, when he said yeah. that, that's not what he was supposed uh, to say. That's um, true. I do know that. That, that was. Now, so do you that, think now that I'm yes. Doug Bradley saying this out loud, I forgot fucking... what he was supposed to say. But he wasn't supposed to say that. He said Jesus wept, and they yeah. fucking pulled the shit apart. And they went, nah, that's that's ill, and they kept it. Yeah. But I yeah. actually, yeah. Said, yeah. Now um, that I think about it, I think he was supposed to say nothing. I but don't quite remember. Mm. 
So yeah, mm. Doug Bradley. It wasn't. It wasn't Bradley. It wasn't Bradley. It was the actor who played Frank. Yeah, it was Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. To do sorry. With yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, but I don't know. Just throwing that out there, just a theory. Maybe. No. Maybe it I, it's the first thing I thought of. As soon as I hear Jesus yep. wept, the first thing I think of is Clive Barker, Doug Bradley, <laughs> How can you not? and Frank. But this is this isn't a Hellraiser ending. Sarah is not pulled to pieces. Um, no. Nope. Hal gets it down from the chain. Wakes her up. She wakes up. They don't even kiss at this stage. It's not like, oh, finally the boy and the girl are together. They're not ended they, in a rom-com fashion. They, they just... Uh, they almost do, like, three times. They and almost do three times. it's clearly on purpose. It's clearly on purpose because the director knows, McCoy knows that you want this, but no. This is just relief. We have survived this horror situation. We have survived this horror scenario, this horror story. We are the survivors. It's not a rom-com boy finally gets the girl. I really appreciated that as well. And then I, credits. Yeah. I'm not mad at that either, but also I'm like, both of you are traumatized on some level and on a huge level, but your man, especially, he just lost his wife who was pregnant. So, like, that's a whole deal. It, it would be weird if they went, all right, we're together now. So I yeah. actually appreciate yeah. that they skirted that and went, Yes. yes, we are close because of this yes. trauma that we just went yes. through, but we're not yeah. exactly together either. I thought that would that that made me happy. It really did. Yeah, it made me happy as well. It made me happy as well because there was a lot of films around that time that would have that would have put them together. Would have had them kiss at the end there, given that be you like, know everything's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, there, gentlemen, that is uh, 1984 Razorback by uh, Roger McCulley. Speaking, Russell, speaking, of, Russell speaking of movies I recognize people from, um, because we started going through IMDb uh, all together at certain points, I realized, I, I didn't look to, I don't, I haven't confirmed it, but a bunch of these people were in Quigley Down Under. And that movie fucking rules too. You remember that one? I have yeah. not seen it, so I have not seen it. I knew oh, terribly. Really? It's in a it, oh, yeah. it, it, like an American movie. In America, man. Filmed in okay. Australia, and it's Tom Selleck. You know, Magnum P.I., fucking Tom I had, Selleck. I definitely haven't seen it. Of course. Of course. You haven't seen it? <laughs> no. Fuck um, me. That blows my mind that you've never seen Quigley Down Under. Yeah, you that kind of fucked me um, up just now. biggest Australian influences on American cinema. <laughs> nah, man. I have avoided Tom Selleck uh, with a large iron spike my whole life. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Yeah. It, Tom, Selleck, Tom Selleck is kind of a fucking jerk-off. But this uh, is a good so, movie. You've I, got to realize that kind of like I mean, but we avoid American-Australian movies because we want Australian movies. So, you know, with Osboitation and kept in mind as well. No, 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 we want to create our own shit. We want to have our own movies, not your guys' impression of what an Australian movie. So I've never even heard of this film, even amongst other Australian film people. Just to put a, put a full kind of, you know, perspective on things. Um... But, okay, so Quigley Down Under was 1989 or 1990. Okay, okay. So this would have been on the tail end of of Osploitation, right? 
At the very tail end, yes. At the very it's, tail end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, fuck, maybe we should cover it. It's a Western, but we should cover maybe it. Maybe we should. Maybe we should, just from that Australian-American perspective. Three right. Down Under uh, is like fucking American cowboy goes to Australia. Sure. Yeah, and he's the uh, ultimate yeah. sharpshooter. It's one of those. And then, and then we'll do Crocodile Dundee because that's an Australia, <laughs> Australian American film. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been to like four of the locations of Crocodile Dundee Part Two when he goes to New York because it's a very popular film there too. Look, man, Paul Hogan can live. He's all right. Yeah, it's cool, man. He's all right. Can we yeah. do gimmicks, please? Yeah, let's get on to it. Let's get on to it before we go down there, maybe. So, um, gimmicks. All right, bit of violence. Um, I'll, um please, uh, someone else start. Just so I, I'm just curious. Uh, Commander. Sorry. Chewing. Carl. Chewing. Yep. My favorite is Carl. Let's Benny die in the mine shaft. 100%. I love, good, revenge. Yeah. I love revenge more than I love gore. And watching this square-ass motherfucker, especially the fact that they were trying to portray that Americans are square, goofy, fucking shirts tucked into their Dockers-type motherfuckers that show up. And he was that guy. Showing up to Australia and being like, yo, man, you're in the country now. He shows up and bests these motherfuckers and avenges his wife in a Frank Castle type manner. And he fucking is throwing dirt in this dude's eyes until he tells him what he wants to know. And then he fucking leaves him. He makes him rat on his brother and then leaves him to die in a mine shaft. Which, by the way, poetically enough, was how they told everybody his wife died, even though everyone knew that wasn't true. Right. It's the most gangster shit ever. Absolutely my favorite part in the movie. Well, Well my my favorite murder, my favorite murder, but my favorite part, my favorite other parts are all the dream sequences. Sorry. Go ahead. Reverend. What do you have for us? I'm going to go with that first kill of her dying in the car and Razorback taking her out at the very beginning of the film. You know, um, it's not super gory, but the thing about it is, is that this is like a nature film, like if you really want to come down to it. But this, yeah, this animal does not have any benevolence to it. A lot of those natural horror films, it comes down to, oh, well, the animal like was encroached upon in some way and it's yeah. justified in some way. But Razorback yeah. has no fucking qualms about anything. He just fucking kills this girl that was about to get raped. Like, seriously. Like, yeah. I think that that first initial shock of the fucking murder, um, and I mean, I guess the little kid gets killed at the beginning, but with her hand fucking coming down the fucking windshield it's just it's brilliant i think it's my favorite fucking bit for sure fair enough 
Absolutely, and it's well acted as well because there is uh, that she doesn't scream in terror like a scream queen scream in terror when she sees Razorback. She is in shock. She basically freezes up, but you can see, still see the terror in that frozen face, if that makes sense as well. And she, Absolutely. as was seen, and not quite Hollywood, the actress put her body on the line. There's no safety regulations were performed during uh, being thrown around in that car whatsoever, you know what I mean? She came out bruised and battered after that scene as well. Yeah, really well done. And that was conveyed, the horror was all conveyed through this effectively, definitely. Um, I will have to give it to the very end, to the actual demise of Razorback getting him up on the conveyor belt and going through the chop-chop kangaroo fan, yeah? Um, just from the build-up, the way, as I pointed out quite a few times, that, you know, Razorback glimpsed at, suggested, suspense is built. You only see it twice uh, through Jake's binoculars and through Beth's camera and the background, and you don't see it in the foreground and all its natural horror glory and goriness until the very end. And just like Alien, for me, that's the way to do it. And um, yeah, they called it off for working in a budget and creating a quite a visual spectacular that as we've seen actually follows a good logical progression of causality as well. It's really not a lot of holes in this, which surprises me actually going through this. Right? Um, yeah, yeah, this is a well done film with a highly climactic effective ending. So I will have to say the death of Razorback at the end. I gotta say, this is a good movie. Like it's yeah, not- it is, isn't it? That- it has all the makings of the bad movie, and yet it's good. Yeah. 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 When you put it all together, when you look at it closely, pulled off really bloody well. Um, yeah. Okay. Robert Royale. This was tight, gentlemen. Can't fucking wait for this. <laughs> you are, yeah. this, this was tough. This was tough. We've got to answer involved. The the uh, the Baker Brothers, but my my question is whether or not I've had the Baker Brothers go off against each other. Okay. Now, but I also had one other option as well because apart from extras, the town folk, there's not a lot of jobbers in this film. Uh, you have main characters and then supporting characters and not necessarily jobbers. Um, so I'll throw it out there. I'm actually going to throw out an option. You can have the Baker brothers go up against each other, or you can have Dicko going up against old man Jake. I am going to suggest because Terry last episode did two. One was not sanctioned, but we decided to do it anyway. I say we. I say we allow both. I, I do I'm it again for okay. both, man. Yeah. Because I really start- want to know what you what, what you guys. Want. I'm curious to know what you guys come up with with the Baker brothers. Let's start there. Okay, so uh, the the uh, um, what what is it? The Baker brothers. Yes, Jacko versus um, uh, Benny. Um, Terry, I I, I have my I'm answer, going with but Terry, you want to go? I'm going with Dicko 100%. Just because, like, I, I think Benny would probably win in a fucking straight-up fist fight, but I think that fucking Benny might have some humanity left in him, and he may fucking kind of hold back from killing his own fucking yeah. brother. 
but Dicko is a piece of shit, and he gonna just stab his own brother when it comes down to it. Yeah, Dicko is one hundred percent sociopath. He yeah. does not care about anybody or anything but himself. That is what it comes down to. I think that he cares about his brother, but only on the level that his brother can further the bullshit that he gets into. The second that his brother becomes a threat, it's over. Right. Whereas Benny, that poor bastard, has some humanity. It's seen in the movie. And eventually he's going to give up on it and he's going to fucking... Not give up on it, but he's going to slip, and Dicko will have the advantage. He's going to see that fucking uh, humanity fucking slip, and he's going to cut his goddamn throat. Dicko has no humanity. No, not at all, man. I hear what you're saying. I will have to throw something into the mix, though, a questioning factor. Uh, You say that... um, he does have he does have humanity, yes, but only to a point because he was egging Dicko on in the rape scene. You know, I'll leave some for me, Dicko. I'll have a go. I'll have a go second. I'll go after go have a go after you've done. Yeah, um, he is saying that you shouldn't go and kill Jake just because you don't like him. But by the end of it, he does whack Jake around the head. You know what I mean? He does join in. Um, Benny enjoys Dicko's sadistic activities. He gets off on it. Is he actually the one at the end of the day who is actually in control of Dicko? Um, so if he can avoid being shot by a shotgun just randomly, as he almost does get done by his brother, is he the one who actually does keep him in line and he keeps him around so he can get off on a sadistic activity, therefore suggesting he is the actual dominant one? Okay, so are you agreeing? Um, I'm just saying that there is there is a there is a variant there. There is just throwing in that variant that um, okay. He actually he is actually in control of Dicko and has learned to uh, control or even navigate Dicko's psychotic behavior. Has been able to survive this whole time. He's just, uh. So he's able to get off on the activities and is, would therefore be able to take care of him in a fight. Does that make sense? I, I do get it. I do get it. You're saying he's able... Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah. I think, man, honestly... I still gotta give it to Dicko, and I'll tell you why. Because he's younger, and he is pure ferocity. He's just that angry, and he has no reason to be that angry. He's just Mm -hmm. that ferocious. Yeah, he's just that fucked, man. And the thing is that if it would have been... When when Benny's in that hole during Ryan's favorite part of violence of this shit, when Benny's in that <laughs> hole, he doesn't give up Dicko right away. He takes a second. He's like, no, I don't know. You know, like he argues with him for a minute. I think if it was Dicko in that hole, he would have gave up his brother in a second. Well, that's kind of going shown. Stab his fucking brother right away to fucking do that shit, man. Uh, Dicko's the fucking dick. For sure, man. And, and I don't think that makes him like a better fighter or anything. I just think that at the end of the day, even if Benny is in control, like psychology, psychologically or whatever, 
it doesn't matter because Dicko's a fucking dick and he's going to fucking do for himself. And he's going to stab that guy in the fucking back if he has to. And it's not as though psychology doesn't come into it when it comes to violence. It certainly does. But at the end of the day, violence and the capability of violence is the most important. Yeah. And I think that I think that Dicko has the most capability of the most depraved violence that not only can he perform, but can he walk away from and literally feel nothing. I think Dicko is at the head of it. He wouldn't hesitate is what I'm saying. Whereas I think your man Benny might fucking think twice about hitting his brother. Who honestly, I honestly, if I had to, if I had to pick one, I would say that Dicko was the baby brother. Probably. Yeah. 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 yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's that chaos factor uh, with Dicko. Like they're in the ring basically and they're both turned around, you know what I mean? Just to grab the ropes and do a final, um, you know, pump up. Dicko has pulled out a switchblade, ran across the the ring and stabbed him in the throat. Right. (laughs) Never mind. Never mind that it's his brother. I want to win. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That GG Johnny Rotten's um GG Allen. Yeah, way of doing things. Yeah. So this one okay. goes to Dicko, yes? It goes to Dicko. I could care. I could care. Absolutely. All, All right, right. So round, do we have a second two. round? Do we have Jake versus uh Jake Cohen versus Dicko now? If you want to, I'm actually satisfied with that. I was actually satisfied how that was uh thought out. I'm fine with that. All right, if cool. you want to leave it alone, cool. I'll leave it alone. I'll leave it alone. Product placement, um, as with the as we discussed with Ospoitation, they had no money. Uh, they were not given product placement money. Yes, there are foster cans, but at that time in Australia, there were foster cans everywhere. Yes, there is a Coke can. I don't think they gave a fuck. There was a Coke can in there because it was it was just funny that the cat the camel was eating it. But yeah. right, they would have done that. They would have done that with an oil can. It didn't matter. Yeah. There's uh, just I definitely think, some Benjamin there on the table when uh, she's patching him up. Of course. You know? Yeah, but that's just Australia, man. That's on every Australian that's table. That's part of the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's on every Australian table. Um, and in terms of the Duran Duran song, he directed a whole bunch of music videos for them. I'm sure Simon LeBond went, yes, go ahead. Go ahead there. Use our song. That's a problem. <laughs> Um, so no product placement to really speak of or comment on. Uh, Rating-wise, uh, I'll start. Definitely an 8 out of 10. Um, leading towards an 8.5 easily based on our discussion today. Just figuring out that um, there's really no great holes in this movie. And for what the, what they had and what they achieved is quite phenomenal. Um, and the potential influence it had on other films like Tremors, as you were saying as well, and who knows, maybe even Hellraiser. Um, yeah, fuck it. Um, Aussie Pride, 8.5. Um, and I am likening it to, like, um, just get the pronunciation. Um, Trichinosis, thank you. Trichinosis is a foodborne illness that is caused by eating raw or uncooked meats, particularly pork, produces infested products infested, sorry, particularly pork products infested with a particular worm. Typical and symptoms, symptoms include abdominal pain, diarrhea, fever, chills, and headaches. Um, yeah, have a bite of this film. That worm's going to get in you and it's going to eat away. Actually, you're never going to forget it. That is Razorback Trichinosis. Gentlemen, what do we have? I, um, okay. 
once again, I, I got to go high on this again. Uh, eight. It's an eight. Solid eight. Um, I fucking love this movie. Um, I will be honest with you, if it weren't for the... No, honestly, it was really well shot. It was really well done. I can't, I, I'm not going to take anything out of it. The, the dream sequences, the hallucinatory sequences were absolutely phenomenal um this movie is really fucking good um if if i had to compare this movie to something i'm gonna go i'm gonna be a little broad liver disease i'll tell you why nothing nothing good nothing good happened to give you liver disease nothing you can have a really, uh, you can have a fucking short lifetime and a really good time getting there and have a lot of good fucking stories that comes along with it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I love it, man. I love it. You know, on this, I'm going to go, uh, I, I usually go lower, honestly. I'm going to give this a good seven though. And that being said, I don't really put this much high, much lower than the original Friday the 13th or the original Halloween. This is a very well done film. It, mm -hmm. but it is just a, it. It's an 80s slasher for lack of a better word. It can only be so much for me. And without the boobs um, and without like seeing the monster, if I would have been able to see, the the demon pig as much as you do in like pumpkin head or something like a big old fucking dan winston fucking character effect like i may have gone a little higher than seven but saying seven is a big rating for me i think you know i i do not put this much above the original Halloween or fucking or much below the original Halloween or the original Friday the 13th. This is a good slasher fucking film, you know, it's, um, an elevated company for slasher films as well. Certainly. Um, this is actually say, a pretty smart movie, you know? Yeah, it really is. It's good. It's well done. It's got the atmosphere and stuff. It's not overly done. It's basic and it's, fun to watch you know so it, it really is a good slasher film um yeah if i could hearken this to someone of a disease i'm gonna go with pork based products as well and say that this is somewhat like a fucking tapeworm if you guys want to know more about tapeworms we just covered it last week on no one likes oh. us the podcast that me and ryan do together so, uh, yeah, I would say this is a tapeworm. It's going to live with you for the rest of your life. Um, you may not notice how much it affects you, but it does. And it's there. So, yeah. Mm, parasites. <laughs> well, that's how you segue a plug like a professional, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Terry's the fucking best. <laughs> Um, I think we are done on Razorback there for Man Bites Pod. Go check it out. Um, not going to go into it, but it beats Boar 100 million percent. Well done, Russell <laughs> McKay. Russell McKay, thank you for making this it, film. Thank you for watching it with me there, gentlemen. 
Absolutely. Um, Thank you for wonderful. fucking recommending it. This is a great movie. I'm so glad to have... I, I watched part of this when I was younger and just, I don't think I even finished it. I, I it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. I love this um, film. I really do. I, I remember getting, this was probably my first uh, experience in Osploitation because it was on the video shelves here in America. Yeah. I, we can find it. We can actually right now, find it. My, my Razorback, poster is right beside my halloween poster that's right beside my parents poster mm -hmm. like i mm -hmm. fucking love this film it's really good for me a seven is not a low rating you know it, it's i i loved re-watching and talking about it again absolutely and uh listeners if you have not seen razorback all i can say is wakey wakey hands off snakey <laughs> <laughs>